Welcome to another edition of Inside the War Room. Ryan Ray here, as always, with a gentleman I've known for some years, and I'm going to pick fun at him. If he would subscribe to my five wide newsletter, he would not have been late for this interview. Uh, so I mean, be sure to go to subscribe. Uh, you are on it? I get War Room Media newsletters. Uh, well, then you didn't read yesterday's because I had a promotion uh, on, a, on a calendar app. Uh, the man I'm talking about is the only man in the world that I can beat up legitimately, and we both know it, is Quentin the Hero Henry. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Henry, how you doing? Yeah, pretty good, pretty good. Yeah, man, I was. Uh, I read the War Room Media things you send out all the time. Well, oh, when, I, when I catch them, I'm not, I'm not real good at consistently reading because then I'll get caught up, and then I got to spend one day where I catch up on like all my emails, mm -hmm. and then you know sometimes it's well, oh, well, this is know. a new one. This is you, a, this put, is you come up with some pretty good crapper material though. You know what I mean? Like for <laughs> reading on the crapper, that's what I use this well, for. That's that's probably yeah that's probably about right yeah. but uh but, but that's this, the only no, place I can really one. focus you know I got to really have focus to absorb that stuff so I hear I hear yeah. well you're probably not on this one this is new it's business only it kind of goes through just a few concepts a day and sends it out so ryanrysenior.com slash five wide okay. but uh it's good to get you on Quentin um you are well how would you describe yourself in what way. If, if, if I met you in the street and you weren't looking all ripped and swollen like a borderline, yeah. you know, Tarzan kind of guy, what would you say you were? Man, I'm usually pretty chill most of the time. Um, I'm usually just kind of looking to hang out. That's not really how people treat me because I kind of look scary and intimidating and then kind of what I do. Uh, but even people that don't know me, you know, like I have little kids that will like stare at me when I go out in public and I'll be like, hey, man. And their parents will be like apologizing. I'm like, it's okay. I know I don't look like normal people. <laughs> I'm, I'm nice though, I promise. Um, but uh, you know, it comes with its pros and cons. You got some people that you'd rather not talk to, and it's pretty easy to get them not to. You just look like you don't want them to. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, man, I'm more uh, misunderstood. I guess would be a good word. I, I call it pit bull syndrome. You know, everybody's like scared of pit bulls, even though they're like the super nice dogs. Uh -huh. You know, like uh -huh. very few of them are actually super mean, but you know, people are just fear uh -huh. them because of what they're capable of. But you know, I just want to be happy. I don't really like confrontation, and I like everybody to have a good time. That's it. I just want everybody to chill, enjoy themselves. You, you left out the most important part of all that. You mm -hmm. fight for a living. Well, okay, oh, you yeah, do a lot yeah, of yeah. things, but one of the things you do is you fight. Sorry. Not only do you yeah. fight, you fight like you're sitting right now, bare knuckle. You don't have gloves right. on, no protective gear. Just, just these babies. That's right. That's right. Yeah, um, yeah. I am a professional bare knuckle boxer, so I think right now I'm ranked number three in the world at 205, maybe number four. I hadn't looked at them in a while. Um, yeah, I spent most of my life doing martial arts since I was four. I started out doing a talk with my dad. Uh, my dad grew up doing martial arts and all that, and he got into jiu-jitsu boxing. So, you know, I kind of just tagged along wherever he was going and mm -hmm. um, was always like the little practice dummy. And uh, we just, I was always an athlete, played sports my whole life, every sport, baseball, football, basketball, played the violin. Um, you know, I stayed pretty busy with, with everything. And then, uh, you know, when my dad opened up his own gym when I was 16, it was like a jiu school. So it was more like self-defense and, you know, the art of winning a fight you know, with headbutts and groin shots, you know, whole nine <laughs> yard. And uh, we did stick and knife fighting and stuff like that. And uh, and that was the same time, like, MMA started getting cool. And mm -hmm. uh, our mutual friend, Clayton Spillers, mm -hmm. <clears throat> old Paul, he, uh, who also Ryan can beat up. And, uh, <laughs> well, okay, there's two people in the world. We, we, we <laughs> all agree right. on this. So, um, 
he just showed up one day and was like, hey, man, I signed up to this fight. And I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, yeah, it's an MMA fight. It's going to be at the Civic Center, and we're going we're gonna to do it. I, I signed up for it. I'm like, all right, hell, I guess we better start training for it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I think I was there for that one. Is that the one he they end up bringing like the, the the brown belt in late in the fight, uh, late right before the fight, and he got submitted? Oh no, no, that was his second fight. Okay, that was, second fight. Okay. That was years okay, later. Okay. That was a different Clayton. You know, uh, <laughs> but they were yeah, that first fight, no, they he went to war with that guy and uh beat him up pretty good. So that was you know, and then it just kind of went from there. We all just kind of followed suit and started doing it. Um and then now, you know, I've uh but most people know that about me, I guess. A lot of people, when they see me or talk to me, I don't, I don't really try and front that a lot of times with people, you know, because usually you don't start off with your biggest gun. That's kind of that thing that scares people. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, man, so it's just something I've done my whole life. I've always been a competitor. And, uh, you know, I didn't end up getting tall enough to go play professional basketball. And uh, I, wasn't, I wasn't fast enough to, to play pro football. And, uh, you know, so but I'm really good at fighting and uh, that's kind of just where it went. And I've, I've done, you know, MMA, bare knuckle, regular boxing, uh, kickboxing, did a lot of uh, point sparring type stuff growing up. And uh, mm-hmm. so, you know, we just, just keep on rolling now, making a living doing it type of deal. And I got my gyms, I train people. I got like a little nutrition shop I run. So, you know, it all kind of folds into one brand. I don't know if I told you this or not. Maybe I did. But, you know, me and Clayton were supposed to box right before he moved to Georgia. And so yeah. I was training, and I think he was training, and then he ended up having to, to move. I was going up to Sparky's and getting lit up pretty good. Right, yeah. Because <laughs> so, uh, it's funny, you know, if you think about MMA, where it's at now. Um, when I first started watching, would have been – it was Arlovsky, um, Tim Sylvia 2. And so that was the card that uh, Tito fought um, – for Griffin on and all that. That was the first ever. I'd, I'd seen it on like free TV one time years before, but didn't know really what was going on. That was the first time I actually sit down and watch an event. And I remember watching that because, you know, in high school, we'd get the boxing gloves in the backyard and throw hands and stuff like that. And that was, you know, for that kind of crowd, which is the unskilled crowd. You know, that was okay. Um, you go to Sparky's, you get, you, you get tuned up pretty good. Um, but I remember watching it. And I tell people, I don't like, I, I don't say I can get their knocky bite out, but. I'm watching these guys. I know enough about boxing to know that they don't know what they're doing. Like, like the bottom of the card, not not the top of the card, but the bottom of the card. Now you turn on the bottom of the card, and you're like, I would get wrecked by everyone right. <laughs> in this gym. I, and I'm not oh, saying yeah. back in 2004 or five when I started watching that those guys wouldn't wreck me. It just didn't look like they'd wreck me. It was like watching t- like the bottom of the card was like tough man. The top of the card was pretty good. Now the bottom of the card is like, dude, man, I don't meet those guys in dark alley. The sports evolved so much right. in this 15 years. Well, you know, that's a lot of it. Back then, those guys still didn't train MMA. You know, they were wrestlers that started trying to box so they could go fight, or they were boxers that were learning a little jiu-jitsu so they'd have to take down the fence. You know, those guys spent their whole life in particular martial arts because they didn't know that MMA was going to be a thing when they were in the prime of their life, you know, type of deal. So, um, you know, now you've got guys in there in the UFC that have been training MMA since they were three or four, you know what I mean? So it, it's just, it's completely different because at the time it was just the beginning of a sport. It was a, it was the melting pot. They were just trying right. to prove something. And what it ended up doing is it evolved into its own thing. You know, it's its own martial art. Um, you know, there's nobody that's like, yeah, I, I fight, you know, or there's guys that are like, I'm a Muay Thai guy or I'm a mm-hmm. Taekwondo guy or I'm a wrestler, this and that. But there's people that are like, I fight MMA. 
and mm-hmm. you get that because you're like, oh, it's shit. He does everything, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like he trains the right. bike. And, you know, that's how I spent, you know, most of my training growing up. You know, from the time I was 16, we just trained to fight. You know, we didn't mm-hmm. focus on just jiu-jitsu or just kickboxing or just striking. We, we trained to win fights. And there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of gray area in that because there's a lot of martial arts and a lot of people that come through with this mindset that, you know, this that this is black and white. And once you start mixing things together, you got to start taking pieces off of it and put and when you put it back together, it's got to make sense. You uh-huh. can't just have this extra stuff. You know, there's sometimes in jujitsu right. where you're using two arms to attack a limb and you're leaving the other limb exposed to hit you, you know, boom, that completely changes exactly what happened. And if you're too stuck on making sure you got the two arms on that arm bar instead of trying to figure a way to tuck it and stay protected, you know, or maybe that's not something you need to do at all. Maybe throw it out, you know, put that on the bottom of your list of moves, you know, <laughs> down towards there. So, you know, it's just taken a while for, uh, I think, a lot of the, the old heads to uh-huh. uh, lose their pride, I guess, set it to the side and then start uh-huh. accepting a lot of these other other uh, ideas and platforms and looking at it from outside the box, you know. Yeah. And, and it's also if you think about, um, you know, running calculations, you know, if you go watch, um, oh, who's the the 185er um, from Brazil? He's a jiu-jitsu wizard. Oh, gosh. He beat Ben Askren uh, in his last fight. Damien Mike. Yeah, Damien Mike. Okay. Yeah. So you watch Damien Mike. He can, he can ascend really high by being a superb Brazilian jiu-jitsu guy. But, right. but there's at some point that math, the computation, it just doesn't work. Or Curtis right. Blades, he can beat – most heavyweights by getting in there, taking them down, but he runs into Derek Lewis and it's like he gets killed. You know, he just lights yeah, out. Yeah. It, 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 it doesn't it, work on him. Right. And, but <laughs> then you watch other guys. And so it's, it's really weird to your point, which is, um, yeah, if you go back to like the original, is you know, like one discipline. And then they they were trying, like the Matt Hughes, George A. Pierre, they were trying to figure out how to meld that together. And now you see guys who have kind of come up. Uh, and they, they may have a strong tendency, but the, the best guys are usually the most diverse. Um, and it, even then, though, you think about like the like low calf kick, you know, the low calf kicks come along and now it's a tactic. Well, then there's, well, there's a counter for that. And so unlike boxing, where boxing, there's only so many moves you can really legally do. There's pretty limited, whereas MMA, it's not unlimited, but the combination potential is, is a lot higher. And so um, I don't know if we're in the early stages anymore, but we are definitely progressing at a level where it feels like every two to three years some new mma tactic comes out and like oh wow hmm, that's that's interesting and then it just goes away remember the foot stomps the foot stomps were a deal for a long time <laughs> man i know god i don't know who started that <laughs> so was like you just stomp their feet what <laughs> asshole <laughs> had to have been a girl a girl had to have come up with that I mean, you rarely see yeah. a foot stomp anymore, right? You no, know, man, I would be. I train eight weeks, work my ass off, and we get in there and you stomp my foot and break it. It's <laughs> like, what? Really, dude? <laughs> to me, that's just as cheap as like small joint manipulation, like snapping somebody's finger or whatever. But, mm-hmm. you know, like street fight, whatever. Hey, stomp somebody's foot, you know, but, you know, we're, you know, I don't know. It's just cheap. Just cheap. But it yeah. really is, you know. But to your point, you know, all the guys who they consider the greatest of all time, I guess, outside of Khabib what they were greatest at was adapting to what their opponent mm-hmm. was worst at or, you know, like GSP, when he trained against you, if you were a guy who was a Muay Thai guy, he trained Muay Thai the whole training. Camp. Right. His goal was to be better than you at that. 
you mm-hmm. know, it wasn't too, well, my wrestling's so good, it doesn't matter how good your Muay Thai is. He's like, oh, that's your best weapon? Well, I'm about to take that from you. <laughs> uh, you know, and that's kind of, John Jones has that effect on people. He just has the fight IQ and the ability to break their his opponent down where they don't fight like they do. Mm-hmm. You know, even if it's somebody who usually wrestles, somebody who wants to strike, uh, you know, you see them go back and forth through that and they don't look like the same person when they fight John Jones. Nobody. Right. And it's not because of the pressure or anything like that. It's the, it's the tactic and the strategy that he uses when he fights, he just shuts people down. So, you know, that, that's, uh, the, the fight IQ really is where the, where you contribute those guys that are, that are on the greatest of all time list. Like even Khabib, you know, he would fight guys that were strikers, but I put him kind of in a different group because, he did what he did every time, you know, he didn't could be going to come out. He was one of the only guys who was like, no, I wrestle. Right. Well, but, 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 he, yes, yeah. but then his last couple of fights, he did drop, uh, he dropped Connor with the, with the uppercut. Uh, but right. he, it wasn't, listen, it wasn't, he wasn't fully Mayweather going punches in there, but he, right. he threw some yeah. loop and punch and you're like, Oh my gosh, he dropped Connor. But right. he was the, he was the Demi Ma like on super steroids. He was the one of the few that could oh, just yeah. kind of get over that hump. Cause he was, so much better and and the crazy thing was in heavyweight you might expect that like a a real good jujitsu guy Damian my world-class type to be able to do that because those guys just aren't that good uh, but at 155 to pull that off i mean you have some talented uh guys in that division and it's crazy he was able to go through them like that oh yeah no doubt yeah damien myers yeah and, and the key is like when anderson silva fought him don't go to the ground <laughs> you know and he couldn't do anything and that's the difference in an Anderson Silva. And, you know, he'll figure out a way to where he'll never have it. That was one of the worst fights, one of the most boring oh. fights. But yeah, it's because Damian Ma was completely shut down and he had nothing else left. So, you yeah. know. So talk to me about this. You, you, you talk about the, the fight IQ, um, kind of being around fighters a little bit. I, I've kind of got a, a mixed bag of opinion on this. Some fighters like to watch the game film of their last fight or their upcoming guy. Some fighters don't. Um, now, I've never heard, you know, John Jones or Khabib or those guys enough to really know at that level what they're doing. But I do know in other sports, the top guys, they live in the film room. They really live in the film room because they want to know. And it, it, for anyone who's listening who wants to go look up some of the stuff, like Tom Brady or Peyton Manning talking about breaking down film, like when they're out there playing football, they know – like all the things that are going to happen. And so does the defense. And it, it's a lot more orchestrated on some level, not like planned, but both sides are knowing what's going to happen so much that uh, it's just very, you talk about um, uh, margin of error. It's very small. Um, but in fighters, it doesn't seem that that's the case. And I can understand why it's a little bit different. The risk, the risk is a lot more real. It's a lot more prevalent. What's your take on that? Are you a big film guy? Not a big film guy? Depends. There's some things you can get from film. I don't really watch much film at all uh, on my opponents. I watch a lot of film on myself. Um, so I feel like, and really the biggest thing that I've ended up, you know, you can kind of get tales from certain things that people are going to do, you know, but like take the Chris Lieben fight, for example, go back and watch every one of his fights. He didn't, he didn't fight like that with anybody like he did me, you know, he ran. And that's not something that he had ever done. So there's a lot of times, and when that happened, it kind of like, because I had my mind set on something else. And then when he started backing up and I had to start chasing him, it was like, well, what is, you know, I hadn't prepared for that, you know? So, um, 
but that's that's one of the you know experience things you got to gain from that but you know you can learn some things from film but at the same time if uh i'm going and watching their film or they're watching my film i'm watching my film and i'm watching how you think you're going to beat me you know whether it was a mistake or not you know when i see something whether i get hit in a fight or whether i get hit in training i can i'm watching myself and i know hey you threw that hand you could have got caught with that right hook you know whether they got me or not so um you know my perspective on it is focus on what i'm doing right and they can't they can't be right you know i don't give them an option so you know if i've always got my guard up in the right spot when i throw this shot if i've always got my weight set back on his foot the right way when i'm shifted to my left or whatever um you know those are the things that i'm looking at and once you reach that and you have perfection you can't be touched so you know i'm more focused on watching what I'm doing, right? Because like you said, you know, boxing is one of those things coming from MMA and all the other things that I've done. Uh, it's very simple in the fact that you've only got two hands. Um, uh-huh. And uh, even in like, you know, bare knuckle boxing, you can't do back fists and there's no uh, like spinning back fists. So that's two things that MMA you would have had, you got to take out right there. Right Now you, uh, you still got kind of like a clinch game, you know, that type of deal. But the game is very finite i guess you could say mm-hmm. when you're looking at an interaction of what's going to happen depending on where i'm standing uh the angle that you're in the angle that i'm allowing you to be in the position mm-hmm. of your hands you can tell every time in that situation if i pause it i can look and say all right this is everything he's got this is everything i've got and i'm looking at things that aren't coming down to to uh to odds you know 50 50 mm-hmm. depending on who's got the best timing or strength i'm looking to see where i can sway those odds you know, to where I can be slower than you and still hit you because you can't hit me depending on where I'm standing type of deal. So, um, you know, I think that you can get in trouble with watching film, but if your opponent is worth their weight, they're going to be watching that same film and making adjustments. So you're not going to get that same, you're not going to get that same opponent that you're getting on the, on the film. You know what I'm saying? Right. Well, okay. So let's unpack it a little bit because as you're talking, you think about, you know, Tom Brady or whatever. He walks up to the line. He looks at the defense. He knows the play. He knows the potential audibles. He knows what they're going to do when he says all that. They see a hut, four or five seconds elapsed, stop, and reset. In fighting, you go in, you, know, you throw your jab, and he kind of moves a little different. Like, well, hold on. Right. I wasn't thinking that. But you can't stop and go to the coach. Hey, coach, uh, what do we do now? Because a right hand's coming your right. way. So how do you think about it? Because you mentioned the leaving thing kind of uh, messed with you. You know, it's fighting as much as you have. How do you try to reset the game plan, make tweets in the in the round? Because obviously between rounds, you have a little bit of time. But in the round, trying to adjust to what's happening. Because, um, you know, and sometimes things are going pretty fast and furious. And if you're not you, you can't just stop and analyze what's going on too much or you'll get clipped. Right. Yeah, that that's 100%. Because, like, what Tom Brady's doing before he snaps the ball, he knows where every one of his guys are going to go. And he's pretty sure where every one of the defensive guys and going to touch him while he's thinking about it. He's saying, right. yeah, <laughs> or so, you can't but, stop and be like, hmm. <laughs> right. But if they, everybody was playing man to man coverage and all the receivers didn't have certain routes, they were just trying to get open. You have a lot, but you know, that's more what I'm dealing with. You know, my, my receivers aren't trying to, they're just trying to find a gap, <laughs> you know, no specific route. You know, my defensive backs are going to be on those guys every time. Um, you know, I got to wait for one of them to get beat or don't throw it. And then at the same time, I'm going to get hit, I guess. I've got no O-line, <laughs> you know, I'm just standing back there waiting. So, 
Uh, yeah. yeah, it's a, it's more based on reaction. And when you take in um, the human reactions to things, you're just going to, you never know what you're going to get sometimes, you know, um, yeah, you could land, sometimes you can land one good shot and the whole tempo of the fight changes. Some people it'll slow them down and some people it'll pep them up. You know, so and then all of a sudden when they're raging and they've got that adrenaline going, well, now their rhythm is different where they're stepping is different. They might be stepping the same, but it's at a different pace, you know, so mm-hmm. you got to change that up. And also, you know, I, I get kind of nerded out on it. It's like doing puzzles. Yeah. How do you gauge someone's power before they, before before it's too late? Like, you, you know, it's like you hear like Daniel Cormier would always say, I want to get there and feel his power. And I always thought, OK, I know what he's saying uh, on what he's saying is, is. Uh, I need to see how hard he hits before I can determine whether or not I can withstand the blows. Um, was he the referring to hits, is, is, or huh? is he referring to like their strength, their grappling strength? Is no, like he's fighting like Derek Lewis or uh, oh, yeah. uh, Rumble Johnson. He'd say, "I'm gonna gauge your power, Stipe." He would want to feel how hard they're gonna hit. And I was okay. Well, I understand what you're saying. Like you want to see what's what's going on here if you can withstand the blows, uh, or that people say, "I felt his power in his hands, and it wasn't enough." And um, but it's like, well. How do you know at what level the other fighters is punching you? So, for instance, if I'm going to punch you, can you actually tell if I'm giving 100%, 10%, 20%? I mean, obviously 10%. But how do you know when it's 85%, 50% versus 100% or is it kind of a guessing game? I can watch video of you punching and tell you. No, no, no. no. When, when, you, when me and you were fighting, I'm saying, like, we're in there together. Uh, like, well, how would you know well, how? I watch, I watch your hips and stuff. There's mechanics that tell you if there's going to be power or not in a punch. And, um, you know, if they're not following those mechanics and they're throwing arm punches is what I call them, then then there's not going to be any pop on the punches. If they're one of those guys who don't extend out on their reach and they kind of keep it short, you know, it'd be like the difference in jabbing somebody in the face with a pole or, you know, trying to hit them with a rope. It's got a bend in it, Bink. right, when that kink's in there, if I'm locked uh-huh. out. Uh-huh. You know, so if they turn over on their punches, if they throw girl punches, you can tell a lot of that just by technique. Uh, I'm not one of those guys that's about to get hit to test the power. I don't want any of it. <laughs> you know, I'll take some. Uh, I'll take some test shots out on the end just to kind of find range sometimes or something mm. like that. You know, maybe I get too close and pop out. All right. mm. uh, but yeah, I ain't, I ain't trying to feel no power at all. Well, what is the power like in bare knuckle? Because you've done how many bare knuckle fights now? Three, four, three, three. Okay, and you you've got. Half a dozen amateur fights, two dozen MMA fights, and then you've done a few boxing. So maybe break down. Obviously, you haven't fought the same guys in each sport, but but practically speaking, the same weights more or less. Uh, How does the power feel from boxing all the way down to bare knuckle boxing with MMA in the middle? Um, I would go uh, MMA glove is the worst to get hit with. Um, The boxing and then uh, boxing glove would be second. I take that back, like an elbow or a knee is probably the worst to get hit with, um, or a shin, you know. Yeah, you really get the most potential threats. Right, yeah, but as far as gloves go, yeah, MMA, you have the hardest hitting. Um, I feel like it does the most brain damage as far as, like, hurts. Um, You know, when you get hit with an MMA glove, it it rocks you pretty solid. Um, Boxing is right underneath an MMA glove, like, you know, but the issue with that is it's – it's just enough padding to where you can take a bunch of them, you know, so you're getting rattled around a lot. Um, and, uh, you know, as far as damage to my brain, as far as hurting my head or feeling like you're rocked or feeling like there's power in it, uh, bare knuckles probably the, at the bottom of the list. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. As far as like getting concussions and stuff like that, you're looking at 
you know, a, I feel like a lower rate because again, we you know once you wrap a fist, you know, you've turned it into a rock. Uh-huh. You know, it's solid uh-huh. you know, none, of right. the, none of the bones are going to decompress you know this is just uh-huh. like the suspension system on your car uh-huh. all this is built in when it hits it absorbs <laughs> that shock so that you don't break you know your bones and stuff right. it has to have some give in it but when you put it in an MMA glove and boxing glove and you wrap those the hands all the way up there you've supported it and uh, so you know it doesn't hurt when you hit stuff and uh so it's the same way when you hit somebody in the head, you know, which even if you are locked in and a complete bare knuckle, you can't prevent yourself from having a little flex in it. Now, mm-hmm. as far as pain, like stinging, like superficial pain, bare knuckle definitely hurts the worst. Yeah, because um, you're, you're, you're cutting the skin and right, you're getting the yeah. knuckle on you. And it, it, yeah, whereas yeah. That, that soft pad feels a little better on the skin. It burns for right. some reason. Like it's a different type of burn there. But it's uh but as far as like rocking you and making it feel like damn you know it's not as which i mean i got one of those but you know it still wasn't as bad as as like i've been hit in mma sometimes and i had mma fights my last fight you remember 185 um you know i went back and watched that fight did i tell you the uh norwood fight oh that wasn't your last fight but yeah yeah but you remember yeah yeah yeah, yeah, but, yeah, 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 yeah all yeah, right yeah. so i went back I and watched that fight care. And I didn't realize that that fight was almost like four minutes long. Yeah. I thought, I thought the fight only lasted like 45 seconds. Yeah. Until well, I watched it. With his left hand yeah. and right hand. Until, he, yeah. he did a couple of hooks. Yeah. It was until I watched it. This is like, like two months ago. It's the first time I watched that fight. Since it happened. <laughs> and I was like sitting there waiting. I'm like, all right, well, this is where he hits me with that hook. This is where he hits mm-hmm. me with that hook. And I'm like, what is mm-hmm. going on? I'm like, I'm still fighting. I'm like, I'm doing mm-hmm. pretty good. I'm not doing bad. And then, uh, and then I saw where he hit me with that left. And then I still didn't do bad after that because I caught him with another shot and this and that. But, uh, but yeah, I didn't. I I just remember getting hit by that shot, and I thought maybe, and that was like it erased the rest of the round for me. You know, so we're talking about a shot that hit me pretty solid, but it didn't look like anything was wrong with me. Uh But it like amnesia. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, that ain't good. <laughs> yeah, if I remember correctly, he got you with that, well, what, the same with the left hook, right hook, I can't remember what it was, but, you know, the hook, like, like two or three yeah. times. And it was like the third one, all of a sudden, it was like, oh, boy, this is like this. Now we're now we're in trouble. But the first two were laying flush. And it was like, Ugh. you know, I was I was sitting, you know, Kate's side. I was like, oh, okay, okay, okay. okay yeah, I could, yeah. could take those. Well, and, there, was, uh, yeah, you know, there was just one of them that hit good. And, like, I saw it, and I'm like, okay, that was it. But then I started mm-hmm. fighting again like normal. Yeah, like you kinda, you, completely. My it, the image of what happened in that fight to me is I went out there, threw like a leg kick, this and that, a couple jabs, <laughs> and then he hit me with the left hook and he choked me out. Yeah, and it took about yeah. forty seconds. That's what I thought happened yeah. in my head. Wow. So yeah. I won't say the name, but uh, we were in the locker room after the fight, or before your before your fight that night, and someone else we knew was fighting, and he comes in the locker room and he goes, "Hey, hey, uh, hey guys, they're out there telling me I lost by head kick tonight. Did that happen?" And we're all like. Yeah. Yes, you yeah. lost my head kick. <laughs> He's like, really? <laughs> and we're like, yeah, it was a head kick. Maybe, maybe two, actually, I think. But yeah, yeah, it was a it was solid. A head kick. Head He's kick. like, I, I don't think so. I was like, yeah, you, you lost my, you lost my head kick. <laughs> we were there. <laughs> yeah, <it was> you. <laughs> yeah, we were always like, okay. Yeah, okay, you know, I'm but it's, uh, but you know, stick going to the the. When I got hit in the head, I, I remember the shot. I remember the feeling in my head when it hit. And it was like, you know when you have a concussion because it sounds like when somebody kicks a kickball? 
like it does that. And it was like, you know, a lot of that I think came from the fact that I was cutting down to 185, you know, dehydrated and stuff that probably mm-hmm. wasn't helping either. Um, you know, so, but, uh, I mean, even at 205, I'm getting hit by bigger guys and, um, and I'm not, I'm not feeling it the same, but I'm also bigger now. So, you know, maybe I'm, you know, I'm more, I'm more hydrated. I pretty much, I wake like the, the day of the Lieben fight, I woke up at weight of day weigh-ins. I was just walking around at 205, you know, it's just how big I am. So, um, you know, I'm not dehydrating myself is probably making a big difference too. Yeah. You do hear a lot more guys are talking about the, about the hydration aspect of it and maybe be, and we've seen the big guy cut down and lose enough to make you wonder, uh, obviously the size does play a role. I'm not trying to mention that, but there is a limit to cutting down. I'm thinking like, you know, TJ Dillashaw tried to cut down at 125 dudes jacked up on EPO still gets lit up, you know? So <laughs> there is a limit to cutting down to where the, the, you just don't pay off. And then for some guys, you think like Rashad Evans, you know, he's probably too big to be a 185er, but he's really too small to be a, a, a 205er. And that's the guys I feel bad for because it's like you you probably need a few more divisions in there. If you're a full-time boxer, probably worked out a little better for him uh, with more divisions. But that's kind of the, the MMA thing. And Barry Knuckles kind of taking some of those same weight classes. And so I'm not sure how to remedy, uh, remedy because – on some level, you don't want the guys cutting down, cutting down all the time. But on the other side, it's not everyone, you know, like John Jones at 205, that's a big dude at 205. He's not a little cat. He's what, 6'4? Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He's, I mean, all those guys at 205 are huge. Like Rampage Jackson's like 250 when he would start training camp. <laughs> I mean, like. Well, Forrest Griffin, those guys, I mean, all those old school yeah. guys, too, were, were big. Yeah. I've, I've trained with Forrest Griffin before, and he is like a Neanderthal. He is a large frame dude. Like, He's not like you stand next to him. You're like, there's no way this dude makes 205 pounds, you know, but there's a, uh, there's a, I, I don't, I feel like I've kind of just gotten to an age where I understand I'm, I'm better off fighting at a bigger weight because I can f- perform better. I can be healthier, you know, um, yeah. like Hubert Burns moving up to 170. You got Dustin Poirier moving back up to 155, you know, mm-hmm. situations like that. It's, um, you know, people would just want, to be the bigger guy, you know, and mm-hmm. they feel like that's going to help them. And really, you know, why not just be the the biggest guy you can be at your normal weight right? <laughs> and, and fight where you're at, you know, like, and that's the way I look at it is, you know, cause I can make 185 still. Um, I was 205 the other day. And um, so, I mean, it's like, but why, you know, I don't want to dehydrate myself. I don't want to hurt my, my kidneys. I don't, you know, I don't want to do that. If if I'm trying to fight to be the baddest dude in the world, then I want to be the baddest dude in the world at my weight. You know, uh, right. you'd be like, well, yeah, you can see how big that dude is. He cut 40 pounds and he's fighting a bunch of little people, you know, mm-hmm. that type of thing. It's like, I don't, I fight for the purity of it. And I'm just going to, uh, you know, I want to be healthy after this. I don't want to, I, I know I've already taken years of my life with the time I spent in a sauna, you know? So, <laughs> yeah. um, I understand. I ain't trying to do that no more. It ain't worth it. Yeah. So there's a lot of physical side to it, cutting weight, working out, stuff like that. But the mental side obviously plays a big role into fighting. And I, I had my, I had someone, I won't say the name, like years ago. Um, this would have been, you know, after the Arlowski fight and um, probably a few years before I met you for perspective. So I don't know, six years ago, seven years ago, something like that. Uh, and they're like, yeah, I want to go fight. I want to go fight. I'm like, listen, you got to understand, to go fight as a young young guy, like, to go fight, it's not, it's, it's one thing to say you want to get there and get tried out one time. Okay, maybe you want to do that, maybe you don't. But to be a fighter, there's just a different mentality that you have to have. 
because you're in there, you're by yourself. Uh, if you win, the high is really great. Everyone loves you. If you lose, it's really awkward because no one wants to say to you. But guess what? You, you're the only one who can really determine your destiny. Um, and as much as you think that, when you're starting out, you're really not that much in control because they could bring in a dude who's vastly more uh, experienced than you. And, and just to, you know, we, when we've seen that where you have two amateurs have the same record, but one dude obviously has been training a lot longer and he gets wrecked. And you have to deal with all these ways of emotions and the lower MMA rank, ranks, especially is tough trying to figure out how to work up the ladder. Um, how have you tried to navigate the ups and downs of the sport? Man, you got to really like it. <laughs> to, to keep doing it because um i mean that's just like in any business really um you know you're going to be told no a lot more times than you're going to be told yeah and uh, you know so i kind of had this i have this thing to where when there's something that i really want to do in life i try and make it to where i'm almost forced into it whether i do it on purpose or on accident you know <laughs> um whether uh, I kind of seem to sabotage things to where I make it my life. Like, so, you know, like fighting, you know, I uh, go to where I'm, I open gyms, you know, like, okay, this is my training. I need to train. And then even if I'm not fighting, I'm training other people, you know, my life kind of involves that. So I, it kept me involved. It kept me there, you know, cause even if I didn't have a fight coming up, I had to be at the gym anyway to help train people and coach and, you know, stuff like that. And, uh, but man, it's, it is rough. And it's especially if you don't have somebody there that, that has already been through it, that can tell you, you know, uh, this has happened to me or, you know, oh yeah, the promoter will tell you that crap, but that, you know, make sure you get your money before you show up, you know, this type of deal. And, um, but those type of issues that if you've got somebody there that's been through that stuff, you know, you don't have those problems. Um, you know, and those kind of things keep you supported along. I mean, I honestly don't know where uh, I found the motivation to keep doing this as long as I have, considering, uh, you know, all the ups and downs that I've had. But like I said, anybody's had with, with, with trying to get in the sport. It's just tough. Everybody wants to get to the top. And, uh, you know, you just end up, I've got this thing where it's like, if you never quit, you can't lose. You know, like, that's how we won the uh right the american revolution right we just didn't surrender we outlasted them you know type of thing you know you drag it out you know if i never quit then you can never win and um so if i keep training keep working out keep moving and just looking for the next opportunity but uh you know i i made a whole lot of mistakes throughout my career that would have made things so much nicer or gotten me what higher where i needed to be way sooner you know whether that be the pride or you know, most of the time trusting the wrong people or just expecting the wrong people to care about it as much as I did to, you know, to get me there, you know, as a kid. And, um, but you figure that out and, uh, I'm still pretty young, like 31. So, um, you know, I've, I've got the, uh, I'm, I enjoy kind of the strategic part behind it. Um, you know, I've got a lot of people that just act like I'm dumb because I got a mullet and uh, a beer <laughs> and uh, I talk country and, uh, you know, like I used to worry about how I sounded as far as like sounding like I had a, you know, country accent or something. Uh -huh. But <clears throat> now I just don't care because actually it makes people think that I'm dumb and I'm not. So I don't care that you think I'm dumb, but if you do think I'm dumb, it makes it a lot easier for me. Well, to I never have told you you're dumb your face. Hold on. Hold on. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, it, well, where we're from, you're used to talking to people like that, you know, but you, know, you go to other states or you talk to yeah. people from up north and they're like, yeah. oh, this dude's just some hick. It's funny how little they try and cover their tracks when they yeah. think that they can fool you, you know, type of deal. So, um, but I mean, I, I am a hick. I just happen to be smart too. <laughs> so we, uh, but man, it's such a, such a sketchy industry to be in, but there's a lot of good people in it. The issue is just like with anything, it's just, you only hear about the bad ones and they're mm -hmm. the ones that, that end up making the most commotion with what's going mm -hmm. on, you know? So, I mean, some of the best people I've ever met were people I met through the fight industry, you know, mm -hmm. some of my best friends are people I train with every day, you know, mm -hmm. stuff like that. So, you know, I've gotten to do a whole lot of cool stuff and travel. I wouldn't exactly put up in the, you know, the penthouse at the Marriott every time I went somewhere, you know, it's probably like some roach motel, but. I had a free weekend to go, you know, chill in New Orleans after a fight, after I got beat up or beat somebody up, you know. So, um, you know, you do it for that. You just can't, you can't do this sport expecting that you're going to be wealthy. It's just like anything else. You know, LeBron James and the guys in the NBA are like 0.01%. You know, yeah. most people just be happy to play basketball. Right. So, you know, if, you, if you're just happy to fight, then it really doesn't matter where you're going with it, you know. So you just got to set up to where you got income coming in or some type of situation where you can continue to do it yeah and that's the that's a tough thing you talk about this the people in the industry there are a lot of good people and a lot of bad people there's there's so much money at the top right there is just so much money at the top that everyone is trying to get some of that rightfully so because they won't they, there's, there's you know hundreds of millions of dollars that are at the top um, but the path to get from where you're at to the top is is not clear and it's not clear for anyone in the process unless you can bring up and develop a Floyd Mayweather, Tyson Fury, you know, Deontay Wilder type, um, John Jones, you know. But how many of those guys come up and you think the, the next big thing and then it falls apart? So it's not it's not like you can have a team. You can build out a team. Um, you, you kind of put your eggs uh, in this, this fighter's well, basket. The difference is the difference in a lot of those guys and everyone else is that. Like Tyson Fury, for example, he's not, he didn't, he did, he loves to fight. Mm -hmm. Whoop, you, you cut out on me there. I think your phone rang or something. You're gone. Should be a button with a, uh, with a gear that tells you what to do. I can't hear you. Mm-mm. You meant to hop out and come back in. I think what he was saying is, uh, is he was alluding to the fact that the top guys in the world, uh, <laughs> Luke, uh, there you go. There you go. All right. There you go. Man, my bad. All right. So like Tyson Fury loves to fight, whether he was getting paid or not, he would be mm -hmm. fighting. And these guys are motivated by things other than money. You got Roy Jones, you know, he's motivated by being a champion having a legacy. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, Floyd Mayweather, on the other hand, was motivated by money, continues to be, but he also figured out a way to make the most money every time he fought. You know, mm -hmm. if he would have maxed out and was only making, and you know, if his three last three pay-per-views would have been getting lower and lower numbers, he wouldn't have continued to fight. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? And you know, he was building that legacy. He was riding that wave. But then you've got a lot of these guys who are the up-and-coming guys, and then they they come from nothing. They ain't got nothing. And then they have their mm -hmm. first fight and they make two, $3 million. Bro, that's retirement. Mm -hmm. That's retirement. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like you're mm -hmm. gonna knock, like how many other people have just made two or $3 million? Like, what would you do with that? Shit, I wouldn't work no more either. You know what <laughs> right. I mean? And 
why right. would you continue to get put through that stress? You know, a lot of times you, that's what you start to ask yourself. You know, you start to say, well, man, you know, I, I got, I done bought three, five guys restaurants and they put making $2.6 million a year. Why am uh -huh. I still out here getting beat up and lied to by promoters and, uh -huh. you know, doing all this would be a hell of a lot easier just to go sit in my house, uh -huh. you know, that type of thing. So, um, but then you got different people, like I said, you got people who are motivated by, no, I want to go out there and I want to be a champ and I want my name to be remembered and I want to do this. And, um, you know, I think that's kind of what, what separates those people that just become great. Yeah. So at what point do you determine how, how, like how many more years do you go or, uh, if the goal is it still in reach or it's out of reach, like how do you make those evaluations? Because, um, you know, in the fight business, that's the problem we see is that guys, even the great ones, they stay too long. Right. Yeah. And a lot of the reason those guys stay too long is because they don't invest in their future properly. So mm -hmm. you start becoming one of those people who all you know is fighting. That's all you've prepared for. Um, you know, so, and you know, that goes into, you know, eventually you gotta, you gotta understand, you know, I'm doing this. I'm not, I'm not winning. I'm not getting any better. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? And I know all fighters know that all fighters know when that time comes, you know, I say that like I, my goal is to be retired by the time I'm 35 and just fall off the map and disappear. But I plan to be done fighting before that, you know, but I don't want to be done until I accomplish my goals. And, um, I definitely feel like I could do that way before 35, but you know, if I get through to a point to where bare knuckle, I feel like I've accomplished my goals and stuff. Um, you know, unless there's some type of record, I feel like I need to set or something. Then, you know, I'll, uh, I'll hang them up too and I'll step over and let the next guy come through there. You know? So, so you're saying uh, within the next four years, you're done fighting. Yeah, man. I mean, how many bare knuckle fights can you really have? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> well, when I was 27, I was supposed to be done fighting when I was 30. So, you know, you're pulling up Danny Cormier. Yeah. You're supposed yeah, to retire at 40. So <laughs> I told myself when I was 27, I was like, by the time I'm 30, I'm going to, I'm gonna retire. If whether I'm, you know, if I hadn't made it, then I'm just going to retire or be done. Uh -huh. And, uh, which actually I had my first bare knuckle fight before, right before I turned 30 and that uh -huh. shit went viral. So I guess uh -huh. I kind of did make it. Uh -huh. A little yeah, bit, well, you know. Well, I mean, I'm not yeah. rich, but like I did something cool that people knew about. <laughs> so no, no, or I at no, least yeah, had yeah. my foot in the door, you know, type of deal. But you know, by the time I'm 35, my kids will kind of be at that age to where I'd rather be home doing a lot of stuff with them or training mm -hmm. them, you know, because they're going to be having their own jujitsu matches and and all that stuff, you know. And uh, yeah. it's hard to focus all that time on me and uh, and them at the same time, you know. I just wouldn't be able to do it, you know. Right now, I've got a lot of guys that uh, helped me out as far as covering my, my kids program and jujitsu and, and stuff like that when I'm going to train, um, you know, but I can't expect them to do that forever. And then at the same time, you know, I like doing that stuff, <laughs> mm. you know, I, I like to go coach and, and uh, I enjoy it. So, but yeah, man, uh, I, every bare knuckle fight you have, you're probably going to get at least one cut and, um, you know, I, I don't think it's one of those sports where you're going to have guys that have, you know, more than 10 fights, uh, you know, in their whole career. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, because a lot of us have already, you know, you've got to be pro in another sport before you get into bare knuckle, or, or at least that's how it was when I got in. So, I mean, a lot of these guys have already had, like me, for example, I've had three bare knuckle fights, but I've had almost 40 fights in my career. Mm -hmm. And, um, mm -hmm. you know, so 
you know, I've got a lot of experience and I've taken a lot of shots over the years and I've taken a lot less than some people, you know, that's why I'm still in here. But if you had 40 bare knuckle fights, man, your face would just be unrecognizable, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? So, right. um, you know, it's just, uh, it's a different sport. You know, you're not really, I don't think it's built for, for, to be a long, long-term deal. Yeah. So, uh, you, you got a fight coming up on August the 20th, uh, brutal Johnny Bedford and, uh, Reggie Barnett are headlining. And I talked to Johnny, uh, before and, you know, kind of getting his take on it is kind of interesting because he's kind of a guy who got into it past his, I don't say his prime, like as in he's still not good, but his, just the, his age, he was a lot older than you were. And, um, right. And you, that's the good thing about this sport is that you do have some young guys. You have some old guys. Tony Lopez, who me and you watched at BKFC 2, uh, we, we watched him fight. Remember that? Uh, he got robbed, I thought, on that decision. But I think it was that yeah. he got robbed on. He's fighting, um, he's Belcher, fighting Alan Belcher. Fighting. Huh? What's that? That's what I was saying. He's fighting Belcher the night I'm fighting. Yeah, and he's fighting Alan Belcher. So this he's is Belcher's first fight, right? Because he's put right. a lot of guys into the promotion, but this is his first time to, to bare knuckle that I know about. Right, yeah. This will be his first bare knuckle fight. I'm excited. Andy, any thoughts on how that might go? Because Tony Lopez, uh, he's no like bump. a walking brick. Like you can just hit him and hit him. And hit him. He's the scariest dude on the man. planet. Like I dare you to tell me there's a scarier human being on the planet after you stand next to Tony Lopez. It's ridiculous. Um, and you know, Alan Belcher. Well, let's get is, on. Let's give him. Some, let's give him some. Let's give him some, some little bit of credibility here for folks who don't know. Tony Lopez has an MMA record of sixty-four and thirty-two. 64 and 32 and i don't know that what COVID did to him but before that he was fighting literally every month every right. month like yeah. when we were when we came across him back at bkfc2 you know he got that bare knuckle thing and then like the next month fall 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 and like every month and so he's on a now he is on a four fight losing streak so i don't know if the end is coming or not but i'm not betting against him that's for sure this is a bare knuckle fight in a while though um his last one that he had, I believe, was uh, BKFC 2 that we watched him at. No, he came back and or, fought. Um, let's see here. He fought. Who was it? He has to be fighting. It's hard to tell. Um, he, he fought Joey Beltran into a decision. I mean, to a draw. That was the first one, though. Um, or they rematched and he fought into a draw? So we we watched him. So he the first one, he lost to Beltran at BKFC 1. Uh, we lost. We watched him lose to Jimmy Jeanette in BKFC two, right. and then he fought Beltran in, in four and to a draw. And to my knowledge, mm-hmm. unless the other promotions are bare knuckle, that is his last uh, bare knuckle fight. So this well, is hey, Joey Beltran's the champ, and he took him to a draw. So I know, I know. Their first fight was like one of the best fights ever of bare knuckle. Did you watch that fight with Beltran that won? The first one. No, the it? most recent one. No, I not Beltran. Did you watch the last pay-per-view? pay-per-view? Uh, I believe so. The one that had um, Killer B and um, who was the main event? They had all the TikTok people on it. Uh, they had uh, <laughs> Paige Van Zandt. Yeah, Paige Van Zandt and Ostrovich. Yeah, yeah. Did, did you watch uh, th- so that that fight between Arnold Adams and uh, Terrell? That was weird because I thought, I thought Arnold was kind of losing and all of a sudden he hits him. And he and Terrell doesn't get up. I don't. Did he break a jaw? Do you know what happened to him? Um, I don't. I don't know what happened with that shot. I do know that he dropped. I was driving in the car watching it because I was going driving to Shreveport to go train, mm-hmm. and like I was on the way home, I think, and we were watching it on my phone. Um, but yeah, I know. I felt like that's how the fight was going to go because even watching 
you know, Arnold Adams is a very, he's one of those guys that's very strategic. He's very slippery mm -hmm. as far mm -hmm. as landing his shots and tying up. Um, you know, Mick landed a couple of good shots, but those were the only ones he was going to get. You know, mm -hmm. after you land one solid one on Arnold, he adapts and he doesn't let you get that again. So, mm -hmm. um, but man, Arnold's like that with everybody. You know, he's had a couple fights where he had that, um, where he just all of a sudden he slips up, bam, bam. And that's kind of a strategy. He works that, that he's patient mm -hmm. until he gets his, his money shot. Yeah, his only loss is to uh, Sherman. Sherman took the title from him back at BKFC7. Right. So, okay. So we have coming up on August the 20th, uh, a rematch between Johnny Bedford versus uh, Reggie Barnett. And I think I was down in Florida for that one, the first time they fought, and Johnny Bedford beat the dog out of him. I mean, just yeah. whooped him up. That was Polly Malinaji night. Uh, right. I went down there for that. And so, you, were you down there in Florida for that one? You were down there for no, that one. Okay. No, I wasn't cool yeah. enough then. It was cool. It was cool. I wasn't in the cool kids crowd back then. <laughs> we got to go backstage, and there's Polly Malinaji. Dude had like a posse with him, you know. So. Man, I don't get a posse. <laughs> I get like, I get two corner men, and only one of them gets to go to the ring. Well, listen, only, only, okay, I'll talk to Dave about that. I'll, I'll call him offline. Um, right. So they're headlining Belcher Lopez or the co-main event, and then Quentin Henry versus Jason Fish is the feature bout. What's your thoughts? Fish, I haven't seen him fight that I can think of. So I'm for him a 2 boxing. Yeah, he's 2-0 and in bare knuckle. Um, he hasn't really had any stiff competition of anybody that he's fought yet. Um He's usually a heavyweight, and uh, now he's coming down to 205 to fight me. Uh, I mean, that's really about it. I mean, he's, he's not a real tall guy. He throws kind of, he's real strong. Looks like he lifts a bunch of weights. Um, you know, I don't, I don't see it ending well for him. I think it's a good night for me as far as being able to move and, um, and show my skills. Um, he is a tough guy. He's not one of those guys that you just drop you know from one shot mm -hmm. not that i don't think i can i'm sure i can but uh you know that's not something you just expect he's not just going to fold he'll take a few before he you know before he he gives up on anything so um but yeah i think uh he's got a lot of hype behind him because looking at him he is a very impressive looking dude mm -hmm. um you know but at the same time so am i so um we'll we'll uh we'll go toe to toe and and i just feel like i'm a way better boxer you know so um well it'll be a good night for everybody hanging out in biloxi uh i don't think there's any like super beef between us that i know of if there is we can cook it up and grill it and uh <laughs> but I, I mean i've always been cool with all his people and all but uh i kind of figured this was the fight that i was supposed to get anyway you know even before the leaving fight so it just makes sense and all but uh but yeah man i think that's going to be a great fight um because you know i'm I'm going to have somebody, he's a very, he's a very hyped up, you know, top ranked guy. I think he's number four or five at heavyweight or something. So, um, and then I'm excited about the Alan Belcher fight too. That's pretty cool. You know, he was yeah. one of my favorite uh, UFC fighters back in the day. So um, that will yeah. be cool to see his take on bare knuckle because he's a very, he's one of those very, uh, you know, when he fought MMA, he fought just because he wanted to, he had plenty of money. You know, with his businesses and gyms and stuff like that, he's never he's never fought for the money. He just does it because he loves it. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so he's one of those people that that has, he takes a very unique aspect and perspective to fighting and training. You know, like Usamar Polares when he fought him, 
You know, mm. it was like, uh, what are you going to do about his jiu-jitsu on the ground? He's like, well, I'm a, I'm a black belt in jiu-jitsu. I'm right. going to defend it. You know, and he did. He invited him to the ground, took him to the ground, gave him a heel hook, got out of it, and beat the hell out of him with it. So it's like, <laughs> you know, so it's exciting to see uh, that kind of stuff. You know, he was the guy that was, I think he did the, the first, like, Superman punch off the cage, mm-hmm. um, you know, in MMA. So he doesn't just do it with jiu-jitsu. He does it with striking because I think originally he was kind of like a Muay Thai guy, uh, mm-hmm. you know. So, um, but yeah I'm, I'm super excited about that uh I, they, they've been talking about it for like years about him doing it maybe i'm like oh, he'll never do that he'll never do that but now he's going to so right super well and if you go back and look for folks who you are not familiar with adam uh, alan belcher he hadn't fought since uh 2013. um so it's been it's been a minute but uh he had some wins over guys at the time that were at least pretty good um you know, they're not names now that you'd remember, but Patrick Cote for a time, he was a title contender. Um, and Belcher's got a W over him. Ed Herman, uh, Caleb Starnes. I hadn't heard that name in a long time. Uh, so anyways, um, all right, Mr. Henry. Well, I'm not sure. I'm considering coming down for the fight, so I might be there. Um, I will right, we got you know. a couple of tables tickets left. Let mom know. Let mom know. Yeah, we are shot off the shirt. <laughs> That's the Dustin Poirier shirt, huh? Yes. I want to get him. I want to send one to him. I got to get him one. Well, everybody loves this shirt. Well, <laughs> when he said that online on TV, I was like, that's the most Louisiana thing I've ever heard. <laughs> like, yes. You'd only yes, hear it that was. Louisiana. Nice. Yes, it was. All right. Well, Mr. Henry, where do folks find you at? Instagram, uh, right? Instagram, Hero Henry on Facebook, uh, Quentin the Hero Henry. And then uh, I don't do the Twitter thing. Um, but. I'm always on Instagram and Facebook, and uh, I think that's about it. I got my gym, Hero Fitness Academy. It's on, it's uh, it's on Instagram. Uh, shout out to my sponsors. I got Aramid Hemp Extracts. Those guys out of Dallas. They're I think ten minutes north of Dallas. They're right over there by you. Have you heard of them? I'm down in Granbury, so I'm about an hour and a half from Dallas. Uh, okay, well, they and be, Dallas is uh, a big place, so. right? Yeah, sure. Everybody's everybody's in from from Dallas, but not nobody right. actually lives there. Right. Same thing. Yes. Right, yeah. Yes. Um, right, Traxler Chiropractic, they're taking care of me this time around. Uh, Underdog Fitness over at Shreveport, Dement Boxing Club, been working with Jake Dement and his dad and them over there for this Jake training Green camp. Dude. It's been super fun. Um, he's fun to work with, man. He's one of those people that are like, like we're talking about, like uh-huh. it's a puzzle, you know, it's yeah. a Rubik's Cube, yeah, you know, Jake's he's working on. So, so it's fun, it's fun to find somebody that, that, that thinks like that, you know, where we're going. So, um man i'm probably missing some other sponsors but i'll tag everybody if we you know, they'll be on at hero henry on instagram for sure that's right at hero you, henry on instagram yeah at hero henry on instagram where you take care of all your sponsors uh, which that's is important right. people don't realize right. how important sponsors oh, are they armed forces a, roofing and construction they're an owned roofing place they've got a place they do roofs over in dallas houston monroe west monroe they're a pretty big company so uh one of my local guys they employ a couple of my uh couple of my students at my gym so really okay. super dudes awesome brother well it's good talking to you again listeners uh we have one more